Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. As we step up the frequency of our podcast to cover the rapidly evolving COVID-19 story, we look at what data points we should be watching in Italy, why some forecasters are now expecting an economic depression, and if there is any good news out there. With Phil Attreid, Head of Investment Consulting, Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, and Jean-Paul Yeagers, Head of Asset Allocation. Hello and welcome to this A Word on the Street special edition. I'm Phil Attreid, Barclays Head of Investment Consulting, and I'm joined here today by our ever-present CIO, Will Hobbs, and also welcoming back JP Yeagers, our Head of Asset Allocation, uh, back to the microphone. Um, In response to the rapidly evolving nature uh, of what we're seeing, this health crisis, uh, we're increasing the frequency of this podcast, uh, really to try and keep you all better informed on our views uh, amid what's become quite a frenzy uh, of news flow. Um, So first and foremost, obviously, we hope uh, that you and your families are weathering these unprecedented times. Um, Well, certainly at least modern times anyway, uh, for for most of us, Uh, and and as well as can be expected. We're also allowing Nikki a little bit more time to recuperate today. Uh, She will be back with us uh, later at the end of the week, and she'll be talking to one of the bosses uh, of Barclays Business Bank about their insights uh, from a UK business perspective. Our business bank, of course, works with and supports a significant proportion of the UK's small and medium-sized businesses who are really the front uh, front line of um, this pandemic, uh, certainly in terms of its effects on on the economy. So that should certainly be fascinating to hear Ian's views there later in in, in the week. Um, But first today, uh, we're going to take a look at what's been going on over the weekend and development since. Um, Markets are really struggling to price in what's coming. um, And and certain economists seem to be competing to come up with the worst case. So, Will, how are our thoughts evolving? Yeah, Phil, um, and uh, and welcome on board. Um, but I, yeah, you come at a time when there are certainly some pretty sobering updated forecasts being published by the commentariat, as you rightly point out. Um, there are a few more com- comparisons to the 1930s cropping up too, so depression and all that kind of talk. Um, and this kind of increasingly pervasive gloom amongst economists and talker depressions is sometimes better used, I think, as an indicator of capab- uh, of sort of you know capitulating sentiment uh, rather than a true reflection of what's coming our way. Uh, remember, and I think this is an important point with regards to the Great Depression, at the heart of that depression um, was actually, uh, in, in, in many senses, was policy error. Uh, there, the Federal Reserve actually allowed the supply of money to contract by about a third between 1929 and 1933 in the US, and that helped to reinforce enforce those deflationary pressures uh, and all the economic horrors that came with it, um, spiraling deferred purchases and so on. Now, this time, there's a neat contrast there, actually, because this time there really has been a vigorous response from many of the world's policymakers, both central banks and governments. Uh, and you might even argue that the great financial crisis of 0709 has also provided quite a helpful playbook in some respects. But really, it is all crises past that seem to be helping to inform this very strong uh, uh, policy response, um, the Great Depression included. Now, in amongst all of that, our best guess remains um, that you are going to see a very nasty economic hit in the short term, potentially two quarters of contraction in the US, maybe even uh, uh, the world. But the world economy should get back on its feet some point in the second half of the year um, as quarantines are relaxed, uh, in our opinion, uh, reasonably successfully. 
Great. Well, lots of uh, lots of history lessons uh, for us, but everyone clearly at the moment uh, watching Italy very, very carefully, given that the UK and many others um, are obviously following their lead, both in terms of the case counts uh, and containment measures. What, what can we say there? Yeah, Italy's definitely seen as a bit of a bellwether for many other countries, given how closely some of the data from other countries seems to be tracking some of the earlier data from uh, Italy's outbreak. Um, so Italy's now a 11 days into its kind of full country lockdown now. So the data um, really takes on an even bigger significance in the next five to six days. Um, we've seen a decrease in day-by-day cases uh, and a slowdown in the mortality in mortality growth, uh, which is bo- both very encouraging. However, it is way too early to read too much into this uh, in truth. Like I say, the next five, six days are going to be the bits where we get a bit more uh, meaningful data. Uh, and to be honest, there are still some pretty disturbing signals coming back from the proportion of people tested uh, in Italy, uh, particularly in Lombardy, uh, showing up positive for the virus. And that's suggestive of a much wider population being infected than is generally uh, realised. Uh, we shall see. One interesting byproduct, as it goes, uh, has been uh, so far seen a surge of popularity in the current Prime Minister, Giuseppe Conti. Now, remember, this is a leader who was initially derided by some as a kind of puppet Prime Minister at the head of a very strange-looking coalition of far-left and far-right political forces. But now he's enjoying the kind of approval ratings not seen by an Italian PM for for quite a bit. Interesting. And obviously, at the other end of the scale, obviously, we've got Italy and very much a focus on Europe, certainly in terms of what we're seeing. But at the other end of the scale, we've got Asia. Is there good news here? China seems to have seen some pickup in numbers, I believe. Yeah, so most geographies in Asia are now um, stable um, in terms of case counts, new cases, um, with South Korea still representing kind of best case in terms of how um, how to contain the spread. Um, the key here really um, is um, any signs of a, a rebound, as you point out, you know, as uh, these economies get back to work. And we've been seeing that with China. Uh, in China so far, there's been some pickup in the Beijing area, I believe, but these are mainly associated with imported cases. Uh, so so Chinese citizens returning to China rather than sort of domestic community spread. So like you say, some sort of tentative good news that, uh, you know, once you have contained the spread, uh, you may be able to return to work, uh, you know, carefully without it seeing sort of, you know, big further uh, reinfections. But again, tentative good news rather than anything firmer than that. Uh, JP, coming to yourself, um, how are markets faring in amongst all of these virus numbers? Um, and, and what kind of moves have, have you seen that really stand out for you and the team? Yeah, what we've seen is, is, is markets remain very jittery, um, even for people who have been in markets for quite a while and have experienced the previous crisis. These days where you see these kind of swings in financial markets, they, they really, truly feel unprecedented. With companies adjusting and where we see closures of companies, it, it's very obvious that it's quite a synchronized slowdown for the economy. So in all different geographies, we see, we see that there will be a shock and that, that's unnerving a lot of investors. Um, in particular, in the more risky assets, so which tend to be more cyclically exposed, so think of stock market, think of emerging market currencies, think of the more speculative bonds, so the high yield bonds, we do see that there is a lot of fear being priced in those those assets. So, for instance, for high-yield bonds, where you previously got 3 or 4% over a um, treasury yield, you you now almost uh, get 10% in excess of the treasury yield. Same with, if we look to stock markets, we see quite significant drawdowns. So we do see that investors are very nervous about uh, the, the, the macro data that will be coming out. So 
I touched on equities and uh, high yield bonds, but we also see quite significant moves in sterling. So we've seen sterling um, uh, sterling weakening by double digits, and that's quite typical in times of crisis. So in times of crisis, we do see that sterling tends to weaken, which for UK domiciled investors will be offsetting some of the foreign losses. Okay. Um, you and the team, obviously, are huge consumers of, of, of lots of different uh, information. So what indicators and data points are you guys looking at at the moment? Obviously, the relative speed of the pandemic could clearly lead to um, many onlookers sort of getting quite confused and some of the messages uh, being sort of quite mixed around economic data some of which obviously is going to be looking backwards uh, at information that we know has happened before the crisis, some projecting future expectations and current sentiment. What exactly should we all be looking at? Yeah, that's indeed, as you correctly point out, it, it will be the case, and that's what history tells us, and it's also quite obvious from these kind of shocks, that once the macro data and the, the negative news flows clears, it will be too late for financial markets. So financial markets tend to find defeat uh, earlier in that process. So what are the type of things we will be looking at? We will be looking at investor sentiment. So how negative are investors in general and how much do we think that's reflected in asset prices? Typically, one of the areas where we can look at is how much of the good news is actually being ignored by markets. So once we see positive news flows and times of these, it's very hard for investors to be balanced. They're challenged in being balanced at the moment. So when do we see positive news being ignored? The other element we're looking at is policy response. So for both central banks and governments, we've seen quite significant policy response already. So that will be on our checklist what we're looking at. Uh, in addition, what we also look at is the more broader consensus. And here I'm more referring to official institutions. So the will it, it will be... Uh, almost certain that central banks and official institutions will revise their projections down. Typically, when that happens, investors can be assured that a lot of pessimism has been uh, reflected in asset prices. So those those are would be roughly the the type of things we would be following at the moment. Thanks, JP, and, and you're right, absolutely key to sort of keep a balanced view, particularly when there's so much news flow around. Will, you're always also a, a, a font of great information on where to go uh, for, for news. Uh, do you have any uh, website recommendations for those looking to, in particular, follow the spread of the virus as factually as possible um, and navigate that sort of sea of opinion? I, for one, am, am lost in, in the amount of news flow that we can, uh, we, we can consume. Yeah, it's dizzying, isn't it? I agree, Phil. I mean, so one I've been using a lot is Stats News. That's part of the um, STAT News. That's part of the Boston Globe. That's got some great, um, very good um, and well-informed articles in it, I think. Um, good website, SIDRAP. I think I've mentioned this before. That's the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy. Uh, World Health Organization, again, um, and then sort of economics. Just Bank of England is a very useful resource. I know I always bang on about this, but I really do think it's a useful resource for those looking to stay in touch of the measures being implemented in the UK economy and what they mean. Uh, and for European stuff, I think Vox EU is quite a useful website as well. Just um, as usual, I think the main thing is just to try and be aware of the motivations of your news provider. Uh, that helps you kind of sift what's um, uh, sort of how seriously to take everything they say. Brilliant. Well, and, and what are those sources telling us uh, about the disease itself right now? Is there any sense that it's worse or better than some of the initial estimations, in particular around fatality rate and, uh, and also infectiousness as well? 
Yeah, so I mean, it, it's safe to say that if you look at sort of, you know, academia is not uh, of one mind here. Uh, they very rarely are about anything, to be honest. But every, every, I mean, there are a few things they seem to agree on. And everyone seems to agree that there is a desperate need for more testing um, and more data. Uh, and the problem here is that we may, um, you know, we are entering what could be feasibly described, you know, feasibly be this kind of sharpest economic hit, hit felt in nearly 100 years in many parts of the world. Uh, and we have no firm idea of how dangerous um, the virus actually is in some senses. So the only, only incident where we actually, where we tested the entire population, so we've talked about South Korea a lot, but the only incident where we tested the entire population is actually aboard the Diamond Princess cruise ship. Uh, now on that ship, 1% of those affected died, sadly. However, it was an elderly group, and it's only 700 people. So, you know, statistical inference is difficult. Now, one academic has pointed out that if you extrapolated that case fatality rate and adjusted the demographic split to the US population, you'd get a case fatality rate for the US uh, of a little over one in a thousand, um, comparable with seasonal flu. Uh, now, this academic uh, rather um, graphically warned that if we don't get better data, uh, we're in danger of becoming the elephant who accidentally backs off a cliff when fr frightened by the house cat jumping out of the bush. Um, we shall see. Um, but the, the point that we do, I mean, is that the, the, uh, the best we can do, I think, is strictly obey um, the government prescriptions on how we should behave um, so that however fatal it is, um, we can slow the spread uh, and allow the economy to um, get back to work. Uh, because the damage um, about to be done um, and being done already is, is clearly severe. Thanks, Will. Uh, JP, final point to you. We're seeing a huge wave of both proposed and agreed increases in government spending. Um, do you think this is going to help markets find a bottom at some point? They're certainly struggling as it stands. And I know we're also um, we're expecting news on a fairly gigantic US package as we record this. Yeah, so what we have seen so far is 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 yeah a, a quite significant announcements by central banks uh, lowering interest rates to near zero or even below zero. What we've seen is also government stepping up quite a lot of uh, fiscal plans at the same time. Typically, if these go hand in hand, it can be quite powerful for for financial markets. Um, typically, that can help in turning sentiment around. And also, we know that for the fiscal side, it is easier to do it much more targeted. So for sectors where there will be a lot of pressure. It can be much more targeted in that specific sector uh, than if you just lower interest rates. What we've also seen is a lot of initiatives being targeted on the employment part. So a lot of it is an, um, a protection from employment uh, by governments. Um, so, so this for financial markets, uh, I think, will, 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 will be very significant. Uh, we've also, as you correctly highlighted too, is, it, is there is a package being discussed in, in the US at the moment, which is the, the numbers being thrown around is 1.8 uh, trillion US dollars, which will be yeah, which will be very significant. That that's a large number and should have an impact on uh, on countering some of the negative impacts of on of, of the shock on economic growth. Okay, thanks, JP. We'll look to end there. Thank you also, Will, and thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this Word on the Street special. As mentioned, we'll be back at the end of this week when hopefully you'll be able to join us again. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.